Our readings today speak a great deal about shepherds. It talks about what bad ones look like, and it also talks about what good ones look like as well. And it reminds me of a homily that I had when I was a little kid growing up in grade school. And the priest began his homily by asking all of us kids, do you know how a wolf hunts after a flock of sheep? And we're all like, clearly no. We've never been to New Zealand and seen a bunch of sheep get attacked by a wolf. So he said, here's how it works. What the wolf does is he doesn't actually go after the flock on its own because the flock with the many numbers would be able to fight against that wolf. So what he does is he'll first run right through the middle of the flock. Try to divide it. Not even hunt after anybody yet. Just to try to scare the sheep. And they would gradually start to scatter. And he would kind of turn around and run right in the middle again. He'd do it a few times to the point that the sheep would get more and more scattered. More and more divided. More and more confused. That they couldn't hear the voice of the shepherd calling them back together to be able to fight against the wolf. And eventually the sheep would get scattered enough that the wolf would be able to pick them off one by one by one. That's how the wolf hunts after the sheep. And so a shepherd, by contrast, should be the one to try to keep the flock together, the flock together so that the sheep don't get picked off by the wolves. He cares for the sheep by keeping them together, uniting the flock and fighting against the wolves that might come around. And so it makes sense that in our first reading today, Jeremiah would rail against the bad shepherds during his time. Woe to you, bad shepherds, who do not keep the flock together. They allow the flock to get divided. They scatter the sheep. They don't care for the sheep. They only look out for their own interests. It might as well have not even had a shepherd to begin with if a shepherd is going to mislead the flock and leaving the sheep to fend for themselves against the wolves and having their lives in such great danger. And so it's funny that at the end of this first reading, God says, I myself will come and pasture my sheep. It's a prophecy for Christ coming. Christ who we know is the good shepherd who takes the same approach as Jeremiah in the gospel today. He looked at the people who were coming to them and he was moved with great pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He saw, if you will, the peril and the danger, the spiritual danger that they were in if they did not have a shepherd. And Christ's approach is interesting because in his time, there was no shortage of shepherds. We hear about them all the time. They're called the Pharisees, the scribes, and all those people who were supposed to be leading the people of God. There was no shortage of them. We hear about them all the time. There was no shortage of shepherds. There was, however, a shortage of good shepherds in Christ's time. Because the Pharisees were not clear leaders. They did not speak with conviction. They didn't speak with clarity. They sought to divide. They sowed seeds of confusion among the people, and they did not care for the souls that were entrusted to them. They did not try to keep the flock together. Therefore, Christ is essentially saying they are not good shepherds for this flock. But Christ thankfully came to be that good shepherd. But he also wanted his apostles 
who would follow after him and continue his mission to be good shepherds themselves, after his own heart, so that there would not be a shortage of good shepherds after he left and went back to his heavenly father. The church would always have good shepherds to defend the flock of Christ from all errors, all evils, and any voices that might try to compete with Christ the Good Shepherd. Through the apostles, Christ knew that the flock would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, the voice of Christ himself. But it comes as no surprise that throughout the church's history, Satan has tried to undermine the flock of the church. Satan has always tried to divide the flock, tried to confuse it whether it's through redefining teachings or misplaced emphasis or trying to get people to go against what Christ taught. We can look back to some of the earliest days of the church, some of the ancient heresies about who Jesus was and the relationship of the Trinity, heresies like Arianism, Nestorianism, Manichaeism, Gnosticism, all the isms uh, that we might hear about in the church's history. All of these were ways that Satan tried to divide the church and to further divide that flock so that the The sheep, all of us, would be left on our own. We would not be together. Or even in the Middle Ages or the Reformation, the many times that the flock was further and further divided, that was Satan trying to further confuse and divide us, the flock. And even in our own times, brothers and sisters, I dare say the last 50 to 100 years or so has been a rather great period of dissent in the church. People from outside and unfortunately even those from within trying to undermine the voice of the shepherd. Trying to confuse us, the flock, to make it easier for Satan to do his work. And it's kind of ironic that we have these readings today because this coming Wednesday is the 50th anniversary of the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Pope Paul VI's landmark encyclical that emphatically proclaimed the church's teachings on artificial contraception. And I dare say there is not one singular issue that has divided our flock as much as this has in the last 50 years. It has created so much confusion in many people's lives, and I know it because I've heard it very often, especially in the confessional. Many people will come to me and it's more or less the same conversational father. So my spouse heard it was okay in college from some priest. What do you think? Or this other priest just said, you're fine, just follow your conscience. It's so saddening and almost tragic when I hear it that so many people have unfortunately been led astray. And it it is truly sad and disheartening to see the confusion that has been wrought in our church. And I know many of the people who have preached or spread these things even had good intentions. I'm not even doubting them. But they create confusion nonetheless. And their actions play right into Satan's hands. Satan loves having confusion. He loves having division in our flock. He loves having dissent because it is easier for him to pick us off one by one by one by one. And there are many souls in danger of falling into sin even through very little fault of their own. And many people have just simply been led astray in the last 50 years or so. So we do not need confusion, brothers and sisters. We need clarity. We need clarity in all things because that is what keeps the flock, the flock of God, together. And thankfully, Christ, the Good Shepherd, whenever he speaks, he speaks clearly. And he even speaks 
prophetically so we know that we are hearing his voice. In his encyclical, written 50 years ago, by the way, 50 years ago, Paul VI made three predictions that the spread of contraception uh, would bring about. He said it would bring about an increase in marital infidelity, a greater disregard to women, that they would be reduced to instruments for the desires of men, and he expressed great care and concern, really, over the power that government imposition of contraception would bring about in the world. That was written 50 years ago, brothers and sisters. We see how clear those words then, these words were then, and how clear they are for us now. Because sadly, each one of these predictions has come true in our time. We see it tragically in the increase in divorce. We need to only look at the news to see how terribly women are treated in our society. And we need only look to the one-child policy of China or the many conditions that are placed on aid to Africa, most of them including releasing contraceptives to the masses. All three of these predictions have sadly come true in our time. So we hear there was no confusion in Paul VI's words. There was clarity, there was conviction, and there was strength. Because we know that through him we hear the voice of Christ, the Good Shepherd. It is the voice of Jesus leading our flock, trying to draw it together. So today, brothers and sisters, we need to pray for those who shepherd the church, our pope and our bishops especially, that they be voices of clarity and of strength in uncertain times. Pray that they can always defend us, the flock, from evil and sin, and that they can be the good shepherds that Christ wanted us to have. We can also pray for those who unfortunately spread this confusion in our church, especially from positions of authority, that they can see the harm caused by their actions and rediscover their commitment to Christ and the church. Because we don't need wishy-washy shepherds, brothers and sisters. We need good ones. Shepherds who keep the flock together and defend her from evil. And so may we, as members of that flock, not be led astray, but brought closer together under Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Shepherd, who protects us, looks out for us, and saves us from sin.